Welcome to another episode of the podcast, Reset, 40 is the New Happy. I'm Mike Moore, and you know, many people reinvent themselves in midlife. Maybe they hate their jobs or get fired or just want to use another part of their brain. Those are all reasons that I've heard in this continuing narrative about life's second acts. My guest today is Ken Sheldon of Hancock, though he does have another place in Frostheaves as Fred Marple, where he serves as the town's unofficial spokesperson. But back to Ken. I'm not sure how many second acts he's had in life, but I'm pretty sure the one that's probably the most fun is that of author of the book and now stage show, Welcome to Frostheaves, and of course the Fred Marple character. Uh, April 8th and 9th, you can see the last version of Frostheaves, at least at the Peterborough Players Theater. We'll give you websites here in just a moment. All right, so Ken, your resume is all over the place early on, but you have to explain to me what the heck a pre-med art major is. You know, the medical schools of America were just as confused, Mike, <laughs> which is why I'm here talking to you today. <laughs> I went to the University of New Hampshire, and at the time, anyway, they did not have a pre-med major. You would major in biology or chemistry or something, and then do a pre-med curriculum. But they said, but you can major in anything you want. And I said, really? I'm going to major in art. Because really, that's what I should have been doing. Mm -hmm. but, and I thought that would show them what a well-rounded individual I was. The medical schools of America were not amused, so uh, uh, so here I am. And uh, yeah, I didn't get into medical school, so then I had to find something else to do. But but you actually did work a little bit in in medicine, or at least uh, didn't you? I saw something about Cesar Chavez when you were out yeah, in California. Yeah. Well, I was still trying to get in, so I I uh, volunteered for a migrant farm worker clinic in California. And uh, a fabulous time in my life, and got to know some wonderful people. And one of the weird things I did was I had to give Caesar a cholera shot because he was traveling to the Philippines. And uh, so it was kind of like a Forrest Gump moment, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am, I'm giving Caesar Chavez a cholera shot. <laughs> You and uh, fellow New Hampshire humorist Becky Rule are both class of 76 UNH alums. Did you know each other during your college years? You know, we really didn't. I think we were like passing in Paul Creative Arts building or something, you know, English majors passing in the night or something. I actually, I was an English major. I took a lot of English courses, but that's what Becky was doing. Sure. All right, so let's just run over your resume a little bit since this is all about transitions in life. Uh, Pre-Frost Heaves, uh, I know you've done a lot of writing, done some acting, fill in the blanks. Well, it started with backing up the first shift. Uh, I didn't get in medical school, but I got into physician's assistant school. And I did that for a year, and, and then I just came to this realization it wasn't for me. And I was going to be a writer. And uh, various people in my life thought I was totally crazy. And uh, the first job I had was a job in a, a hardware store and uh, just filling in, you know. I got a job from there working for a, a small computer magazine in Peterborough, New Hampshire, right as the computer revolution was taking off. And I got a job for Byte Magazine, which at the time was the size of the Sears wish book. You know, it was like <laughs> literally the fattest magazine. And I just kind of climbed on that rocket as it was taking off. And by the time I left, I was the West Coast bureau chief out in San Francisco. And I was miserable. I'd wake up every morning and I'd say, literally, dear God, please don't make me go back to this job. And it was a great time to be there, but I was the wrong person there. So I, I quit that because I wanted to do, um, I wanted to write and write plays and make music and stuff. And my uh, 
salary took a nosedive, and my job satisfaction just started to skyrocket. So I became a freelancer at that time and started doing, uh, I was still doing some freelance tech writing and stuff, but m trying to write plays and doing kids' music. And so that led to seven projects that I did for Scholastic that sold, still being sold to schools around the country, and writing plays and writing kids' books and writing novels and stuff. So that was like the first big shift there. Um, well, maybe two, quitting medical school, quitting PA school, then quitting Byte magazine. And then in the midst of that came the next one. So clearly you were never meant to be a nine-to-fiver. Not at all. Both my wife and I work at home, so we, couldn't, we just could never work for anybody else again. You know? As you know, it, it's, it's, it's fraught with difficulties like your income going up and down like a roller coaster or whatever. But the freedom at three in the afternoon of saying, you know what? I'm going to walk to town and have a popsicle. <laughs> you can't beat that, you know. Right. So let's get a little timeline on the evolution of Fred Marple and Frost Heaves. Its earliest genesis came from your dad, right? Yeah, yeah. My dad worked at a church camp in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. And people would come all over for retreats and church meetings and stuff. And one day this lady came in from away, as we say, and she says, I keep seeing the signs for Frosties. Can you tell me where the town is? <laughs> My dad was laughing so hard he could barely answer her. And so he told that to everybody. That was one of his favorite stories. So at the time, I was traveling around, you know, doing kids' music, doing some folk music for adults, you know, but the, the venues for medi mediocre folk musicians are few, you know. But while I was doing that, I would tell these Frosties stories that I was making up from the mythical town of Frosties. And it, it was like the most popular part of the gigs that I was doing. And I was writing all these stories down. And I was, I was also doing some acting. I had been in several plays at the Peterborough Players Theater, professional productions. And my wife one day said, you know, you've got all these contacts. We live five minutes from this beautiful regional theater. You, you know all these fabulous musicians. You're writing all these stories. You should put it together into some kind of a show. Bing! <laughs> and that's where it started. And we didn't know the first time we did it, we thought, well, maybe we'll get 75 people there. We had 150 people there for the first show, and it just took off after that. And we decided early on we weren't going to charge a lot for our tickets uh, and we, because the economy was taking a nosedive. And for me, you know, some of the best humor in our country came during the 30s, during the Depression. You know, you look back at some of that stuff. It was fabulous. So I thought, well, people need something to laugh about. And so that's, that was our goal, to do something inexpensive. People come in, it, people appreciated it. All right, so very strong, very popular in the Monadnock region and throughout New Hampshire. A lot of media coverage for your character. Play well in New England. Uh, have you done your act in other parts of the country? And if so, do people get the jokes or references? That's a good question. We just got back from Savannah, Georgia, and there's a theater down there that I'm talking to. And so I, I, I'm going to find out. Uh, you know, the discussion I had with those folks was somebody like Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy, who's a southerner, he plays pretty well up here. I think you have to shift it slightly. You know, um, I often ask my audience, raise your hands if you grew up eating baked beans on Saturday night. Well, around here, the whole audience will put their hand up if it's an older audience. That kind of thing isn't going to play down there, but explaining to these southerners why baked beans are what we consider haute cuisine, <laughs> I think would. You know, so... I think it'll work, but I'm, that's something I'm exploring. 
That's kind of an exciting thought, though, that you could expand to whole new venues. Jeff Foxworthy is, is a perfect example. Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting whole Taking something regional and making it broader than regional. You take Garrison Keillor, you know, who originated with a very Minnesota-centric stuff, and the people there loved that. But it's also, because there's a universal quality to it, it expands beyond that. So maybe that'll work for Fred Marple. I'm glad that you mentioned Garrison Keillor because, uh, first of all, I think your wife is from Minnesota, as I understand. And you also co-authored a single book (laughs) with the great Prairie Home Companion creator Garrison Keillor. Right. My first trip going out to Minnesota to visit my wife, the Star Tribune newspaper there was having a contest, and it was called A Sort of Life of F. Scott Fitzgerald to celebrate his 100th anniversary. And Keeler had written a, the, sort of a biography of, of uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, but left blanks. You know, like, F. Scott Fitzgerald was born da-da-da-da, son of da-da-da-da, and da-da-da-da. And you were supposed to fill in the blanks. Well, they were posting the responses, and people were doing it all wrong. They were putting in the correct answers. <laughs> I realized this was a mistake, so I submitted mine, and you know, it's like, F. Scott Fitzgerald was the son of Edmund and Ella Fitzgerald, <laughs> and, and I won. And, the, and so the prize was like a $3,000 prize and a, a single copy of the book, which says, it says on it, you know, A Sort of Life of F. Scott Fitzgerald by Kenneth M. Sheldon. And Garrison Keillor. So I can honestly say that we are co-authors. <laughs> I love there's only one book in print. Right. We're going to see that on eBay anytime soon. After I'm gone, probably. <laughs> I'm sure the wife will have it up there. You have a YouTube video called Yankee Yoga, which has been viewed 130,000 times. I love that. Yeah, Yoga for Yankees. That started out because uh, my wife and I do yoga, actually, and uh, the cats would, like, twirl around our bodies and everything, <laughs> you know. So we were joking about instead of doing downward-facing dog, we are going to do downward-facing cat, you know. And then we got thinking, well, what would, like, you know, yoga – you know, would it be like, uh, like, you know, like just leaning slightly to the side would be a pose called nor'easter, you know, <laughs> or cross your arms and look at the floor. That's ice fishing. <laughs> so I came up with all these things. So then there's a spoof for actually for the show for Frosties. We got a bunch of friends together in a library and we just filmed Fred doing, you know, these, these moves with people and made a commercial for a fake DVD called Yoga for Yankees. And I showed it at the show, then I put it online. Well, we, you wouldn't, the response was amazing. It went, it went, well, as Fred says, it didn't go viral. It went sniffles, Mike. <laughs> you know, semi-viral. But, yeah, it's up to about 150,000 views now. And it's funny because I was afraid of offending yoga people. They're the ones who are sending around. They think it's hilarious. Uh, making new beginnings in life takes courage and belief in yourself. You're certainly living proof of that. So give some advice to somebody who might like to do new things regardless of the risk for greater happiness. Well, I would say start. You know, do something. You know, if you want to write, if you want to dance, if you want to do photography, do something. And, uh, yeah, um, and then, I mean, you, you know, there's this thing in the Bible about counting the cost. And uh, I think you, you, there's different ways of counting the cost. You count the cost of taking a risk and saying, what if I fail? But the else got to count the cost the other way. is What if I stay doing what I'm doing and I'm miserable? And I get to the end of my life and I never tried. So that's I, my th- so don't just count the cost of failure at what you would love to do. Count the cost of staying at what you don't like doing. 
your father, I think, kind of planted that seed in your mind, didn't he, earlier in life? He sure did. You know, my dad worked for Esso or Exxon and, um, for years and years and years. And he retired at age 50, which astonished the people that he worked with, to go work at this, this church camp in Jaffrey because that's where his passion was at. And when I was leaving physician's assistant school and other members of my family were saying, you are crazy, you're going to be a writer, well, you know. <laughs> and my dad was the one who said to me, you've got to do what you want to do. That's the most important thing in life. And to get that from your dad is a very important thing, you know, for a guy. Uh, because dads can be the ones that put the thumb down. So, Frost Heaves, the, the play, coming to an end or being phased out in favor of more. Fred Marple, explain that. That's, that's, this is breaking news, folks. Right, right, yeah. Well, we've been doing the show for eight years, and it feels like it's time um, to transition. I'm getting very busy as Fred Marple, uh, going around doing my one-man Fred Marple show. Uh, Fred was always kind of the host of Frost Heaves, but now it's spun off into his own thing, and I've been on the Hampshire Chronicle and, and having a lot of fun doing that. And um, uh, Yeah, and then there's the possibility that Frost Heaves will continue as a traveling show. In fact, I'm sure it will continue as a traveling show. And uh, we've talked about... Uh, you know, Fred's talking about TV and movies and even a theme park, you know, possibility. But for now, the the because the, every show has been new, brand new and original. So, And we've got eight years of material that I, I'm going to be doing something with. But for now, in terms of a live show in Peterborough, this will be the last one. So there it is, folks. The final Frost Heaves, April 8th and 9th. Three shows, two shows, I'm sorry. Or actually, three, right? Matinee. Two, oh, matinee, right. So it'll be three shows over two days at the Peterborough Players Theater, April 8th and 9th. You can get tickets online, frostheaves.com. Find out more about Fred Marple at fredmarple, M A R P L E.com. Were you surprised that the uh, Frost Heaves URL was available when you applied for it? Uh, you know, back it's funny because I actually got the URL maybe 15 years ago because I knew I was going to do something with it, and I just didn't. I just kept it, and it was kind of sleeping until like 2008. So back then, it wasn't. Uh, there are a couple of people out there who've asked me they want to sell it, but I'm not selling. <laughs> <laughs> Ken Sheldon, what fun talking to you, and uh, best luck as uh, Fred Marple expands his uh, notoriety around the world. Thanks so much, Mike.